0: teams you care about. The Patriots are now closer to the bottom of the AFC than the top. That's a fact. The stories that matter to you. Trevor Story, man, he makes the Red Sox much, much better in 2022. This is your home for New England sports. I, I'm just wondering what happens next for UVM because I think there could be a lot of turnover on that roster. This is the Brady Farkas show on WDEB AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up everybody? Freddie Farkas show on a Wednesday right here on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Short show tonight we go up until 6-10 then we bring you game two of the Red Sox series against the Angels. Sox win last night 4-0. Another good performance from Michael Waka, who right now is making me eat my words so Sox look to take the first two of three from the Halos and and tomorrow we get Shohei Otani on the mound, reportedly. So we'll see what happens tonight. But Sox look for a series win already. Tom Karen of Nesson will stop by here in 15 minutes. Talk to us at 545. We've also got a full interview with Freddie Coleman, which is gonna be out maybe tomorrow morning on the podcast channel. I spoke with him earlier today. I gotta you know gotta we gotta post it and put it up, things like that. So maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow for Freddie, but we're gonna react to a lot of what Freddie had to say tomorrow. On the show when we do have a full ninety minutes available after daytime Red Sox baseball. You can get in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury Text Line. That's 802-585-3026. Your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and Twitter uh, live as well. That's how you can uh how you can chat with us. So let's waste no time. Five, four, three, two, one. And here are we? Go. Opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. I, I got to admit, I didn't see that coming last night. Celtics beat the Bucks 109-86. to 86. They even the series at one game apiece. Without Marcus Smart, I didn't think it was possible. I... I I said yesterday it would be really hard to win without Smart. I did not say that they couldn't do it. I did not think they were going to win by 23 points and just run the Bucks off the floor at TD Garden. And when you think about what happened last night and why, there's really three things that you need to know. Three things that you need to, to realize came out of this game. One, ball movement by Boston was crucial. Two, Jalen Brown was crucial. And three, the team did exactly what we thought they would defensively. They guarded Giannis one-on-one a lot, and they tried to not let others beat them. If you're trying to figure out what happened yesterday in a nutshell, that is it. Ball movement, Jalen Brown, different defensive game plan. And the ball movement, let's start there the ball movement was really just kind of mesmerizing. It was what we used to hear Brad Stevens talk about, but what wasn't always done. The idea of passing up a good shot to get a great shot, the Celtics made a commitment to that last night, and they did it all night long. Now, the Celtics still took 43 three-pointers, but they generated those shots in much more fluent ways. It wasn't standstill jumpers that were basically just settling for what you were baited into. The Celtics got the defense moving. They got defenders out of position. They allowed themselves to get shots that ended up wide open because Bucks defenders were left chasing. And in some cases, Bucks defenders just gave up on the chase and just conceded a wide open three. And it yielded good results from all over the floor. Celtics hit 23s in total. They hit 9 of 17 from the corners. They hit 11 of 26 from basically above the elbow. They got defenders moving. They got defenders flying. And they passed up good shots to get great shots. And you know that by just looking at the assist numbers. The Celtics had 28 assists. On 38 made shots. 28 assists of 38 made shots. They made 23s. 18 of them, 90%, came off an assist. That's ne- that's nearly every three that you hit that wasn't done by ISO hero ball. You go back and watch the highlights. Several shots just taken in pure rhythm where defenders are scrambling. It was beautiful basketball last night, and I'm impressed that Ime Udoka got the Celtics to play that way, and I'm impressed that their stars agree to play that way because move the ball is an easy concept to talk about, but we know how the NBA works. When you are playing in the NBA and you have star players, oftentimes, The ball stands still. Guys stand around waiting for the star to make a move. The Celtics have had that in the past. They did not have it yesterday. Well done by everybody from Tatum to Jalen Brown, Peyton Pritchard. Everybody who played yesterday did a pretty good job. And Ime Udoka talked about the offensive output more.
1: Just what we saw uh, we could have done better in game one. Um, As I mentioned, shooting 53s. It's one thing, but a lot of them were contested, so we knew we had opportunities to drive closeouts and you know touch the paint a few times, and we knew if we did, did that, their defense would dissipate, and we get the looks we wanted. So uh, that was a point of emphasis going into it, and I loved our aggressiveness and touching the paint, attacking, kicking out, and trying to get the right shots, and that was evident in the first half.
0: Yeah, and getting into the paint, that was really important. That's part of how all of this happens. You get guys to go to the lane, and maybe they're not shooting over Giannis or Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis. But they are drawing an extra defender. They are drawing help. Then they're able to kick out. Then you get ball reversal. Then you get guys scrambling. Then you get the open shot. That's just good basketball. Really good basketball last night. The number two biggest key, as we stick with the offense, it was Jalen Brown. The first half yesterday was all about Jalen Brown. He finished with 30 for the game. He had 25 in the first half. He hit a jumper to start the game. He was 5-for-5 five five from three in the first half. Just a good all-around bounce-back performance from Jalen Brown. Tatum spins past to cross-half court. Swing, swing, left wing. Brown for three. He got hit, and it's good anyway. Timeout by And he played with real emotion, too. He was efficient offensively. He was aggressive offensively. He was confident offensively. And he played with real emotion too. He always plays hard. That's never a question. But he's generally quieter. He's generally less demonstrative. Yesterday he was demonstrative. He talked to the ref, he gestured to the crowd. Yesterday was a re-coming out party for Jalen Brown after a game one where he really struggled.
1: Just how you respond is everything in this league. Um, We didn't play as well as we wanted to first game. And we couldn't come back and and drop another game at home. Um, So we knew we had to come out and and play like our season was on the line. And we did. Uh, We came out and fought from the jump. Uh, We played with aggression. We played with physicality. And that was just necessary to beat a team like Milwaukee.
0: Yeah, Jalen Brown, effective, efficient, confident. He he was just, he was really good. I love Jalen Brown's little, like, I can't even explain it really. Kind of his, his short dribble, kind of shimmy, where he's able to get the jumper off. Like he's not a guy who needs a lot of time to set up his jump shots. Some guys need time to catch, get the ball in the right position, get the feet right. Some guys need that. Jalen Brown's kind of just able to catch, catch, or catch, dribble, 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 and then kind of instantly go. And yesterday it served him well. He hit shots from three, he hit shots from the mid range. He was aggressive, had a good, you know, had a great pass to Tatum in the fourth quarter, which really kind of cemented the game. It was 94-82, and then Tatum hits the three, but off was off a great pass from Jalen Brown. So, yesterday was a JB recoming out party and a, a great win last night for the Celtics. I, I I didn't not think that they could win without Marcus Smart. I did not think they could win by 20 plus points. They they. Played like their season was on the line. Their season was on the line. I told you, if you lose two games at home to that team, you're not going to Milwaukee and coming back and winning this series. It wasn't going to happen. You have a chance to win this series now. It's still going to be difficult. You know that Milwaukee is going to readjust. On the other side of 6 o'clock, we'll talk to you about the Celtics' defensive strategy that they employed but uh, the bucks are going to readjust this thing is far from over this thing could easily go seven i said celtics in six it could easily go seven and we'll see what happens from here on out but a great win great ball movement team basketball jalen brown carried you early jason tatum got back into it late how about grant williams who was awesome great win series tied at one well most of us were Watching that game. The Red Sox were also winning yesterday, shutting out the Angels for nothing. Another great performance from Michael Walker. We'll talk about the Sox, who got their 10th win of the season, well, last night. We'll talk about it now with Tom Karen, Red Sox and Bruins insider at Nesson. He's getting ready to go on the air for the Sox game, as are we. We'll talk to TC next on DEV. For the latest information on the Red Sox,
1: not only is David Ortiz a Hall of Famer, but he is one of the best of the best.
0: How about the Bruins?
1: Are they a Stanley Cup champion? Probably not as presently constructed, but they're a playoff team.
0: And you've come to the right place. We talk now with Nesson insider Tom Caron
1: baseball isn't boring because there's still nothing like the communal gathering of fans at a
0: baseball game on the brady farkas show on wdev am fm and wdev radio.com yeah red sox insider tom karen with us on the phone line now on the brady farkas show he's with us every single wednesday here on wdev am and fm and wdev radio.com red sox win yesterday they're getting ready to go uh, back at it again tonight with our coverage beginning at 6 10 tc thanks for being with us how are you good how you doing brady excellent you know i threw five scoreless innings on opening day of the men's league on sunday afternoon and i was ready to put myself on the Sox rotation but evidently i can't take michael waka's spot he's been pretty good well starting pitching hasn't been the problem
1: i mean the era is like two over the last dozen games now they, they don't get to stay long as we saw last night you don't get to finish yeah. the sixth inning because uh, you're already the third time through the batting order and that's baseball in 2022 but now starting pitching hasn't been the problem that's been the one consistent bright spot it's it's the lack of offense obviously and then The bullpen and the pressure situations, the overall numbers of the bullpen, not bad, but the the fact that they've had these one-run leads or tie games, that's where they seem to collapse. But starting pitching's been okay.
0: You know, you look around baseball every day and someone's getting shut out. Multiple teams are getting shut out. I think the Mariners got shut out back-to-back games by Houston. Seven hits, all singles in these two games. And... I look at this Twitter account, MLB Barrel Alert. I don't know if you follow this, but it tells you what the expected batting average should be on these balls that are hit. And every night it's like, this ball had an expecting batting average of 910, and it was a lazy fly out to left field. How much are you buying into the deadened baseball being real and a problem?
1: Uh, it's real. I, I mean, I, I believe it's real. There's just too much uh, the, the anecdotal and, and firsthand information. Uh, eyewitness accounts you know players are quietly off the record talking about it. i've heard stories about you know balls staying flat on one side after uh, you you really barrel one up uh there, there's something going on there now again <clears throat> I've, I've talked to some people at the major league level and and there's no conspiracy i can tell you that so you know it, it, one thing i've learned Uh, in over half a century on this planet is that when you tend to think there's a conspiracy more often than not it's just a an unfortunate combination of random events (laughs) Uh, you know they were deadening the baseball two years ago then last year there were a lot of talk about two different baseballs you know some were bouncing and some were dead nobody really knew why well from what I've been able to put together more than anything it just sounds like they introduce a new baseball but they don't get rid of the old baseball so you're playing with some of the old baseballs that are lively and some of the new baseballs mm. that are deadened is this the continuation of those deadened baseballs replacing the older baseballs i i think that's what's happening then you add the humidors into all 30 ballparks now there are only 10 last year now there's 30. uh and and everybody who knows anything about these things not to get all science on you here but Humidors will adversely affect the drag, the flight of the ball in the early months of the season, right? When Mm. it's it's wet to an extent and cold, but therefore kind of dry, if that makes sense. Then you get to the summer where it's humid and the ball doesn't usually fly. The humidor is actually supposed to help the ball fly. Mm. So they believe over the course of the year... That if there's a negative effect early in the season, it'll be made up by a positive effect later in the season. But as we stand right now, it's only the negative effect. So yeah, there's some of those. I mean, you know, Close your eyes tonight when you're listening to Joe Castig called the game on, on your station. How many times a game now do we hear his voice and get all excited off the crack of the bat, only to have somebody uh, camp under it, not even on the warning track? There seems, I mean, I watch our games, and and on the monitor, you know, and you go and you sit up and and the guy is 10 feet away from the wall and he catches it it's just not traveling
0: just do a john sterling just call everything well, they're all until it's <laughs> in that case. yeah
1: everything's gone
0: uh, yeah well that has nothing <laughs> to do with the, of the baseball. Uh, tom karen red sox and bruins insider at nesson with us here on the brady Park show on this wednesday on wdev really interesting story yesterday from june lee on espn.com about sandra bogarts and trevor story not sure if you read this but I was kind of under the impression that Bogarts was really putting on a strong public, you know, uh, strength here, but privately, June Lee does report that Bogarts was a little bit bothered that the Sox were going to sign a shortstop. He at one point was willing to move off shortstop last year and then kind of did an about face this year. Where do you think Bogarts is at mindset wise? He's certainly playing well, but how do you think he is emotionally about everything?
1: yeah it's a great question and not a huge surprise from the start of the season uh i would have expected this kind of thing what what you know what i think is going to matter is how it plays out over the course of the long season right do they do they learn to coexist do they learn to work well together i think if there's any hope of xander coming back after this year it's going to be that they can peacefully coexist now factor into that these reports That that Trevor Story fired his agent and has a new agent, and if you read between the lines on that story, maybe it's no pun intended. Maybe it's because Trevor Story, you know, wanted the deal that was there in Texas, which is close to home. uh, Yeah, sounds like a similar deal he got in Boston. He could have been a shortstop in Texas. it could have been close to home. So does that mean he doesn't want to be here? No, but that meant he probably wanted to be somewhere else. So so there's a lot going on there between those two guys. Now, last night, I thought Xander had one of his best defensive games ever. Uh, was really good, made a spectacular play in the ninth inning, turned a couple of non-routine double plays. He and Trevor Story worked really well together up the middle on, on a double play. Uh, I, I think if there's more of that and more winning and more they're playing great, Maybe Trevor Story learns to like second base, and and maybe Xander comes back. But I still think odds are, Trevor Story's your shortstop next year. I think that you know he's good. We know Xander Bogart's going to hit free agency. I, I believe the Red Sox are going to try to keep him. But at the end of the day, will they outbid 29 other teams? Will he see a place? Will Will someone come to him with all the love? You know, I think of Eduardo Rodriguez. Right, didn't take long for Detroit to say, "Listen, you come here. You are the ace of our staff." You won't get yelled at by the manager anymore. We'll look at you as a man, not a young guy who's developing as a pitcher. Uh, it doesn't take a lot for someone like Xander Bogarts to, to hear that, I would think, this offseason, um, unless the Red Sox really come at him with a similar message.
0: Yeah, the story report was very interesting as well. We're going to talk about that on the show also today. And a story that I hadn't heard much. It was on you know one of your rival stations, but Lou Merloney was talking about it also. That the Red Sox may—I don't know if it's tried to move on from Christian Vasquez, but tried to add another piece in the catcher room this off season. And when I really think about it, like what happened to Vasquez's offense in in 2018? <clears throat> fine, maybe juice baseballs, but 23 home runs he had was on pace for 20 in the COVID season. And he's got no power anymore now. What exactly has happened to Vasquez?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. We were talking about this yesterday, and I thought he had a pretty good day Sunday. Uh, I, 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 Christian Vasquez has been about what I expect him to be. It's just the power's gone. But, again, the power's gone for everybody here so far in yeah. 2022. Um, I, I just, you know, he, uh, catchers don't hit that much. Ploiecki's a better offensive hitter. There's no doubt about that, a better offensive catcher. Uh, Colton Wong might be the mix in the future you know i vasquez is a free agent next year i don't know what his uh, his future is going to be here i mean it's listen we've spent so much time talking about bogart's endeavors people seem to forget that jd martinez and kike hernandez and christian vasquez and native aldi are all going to be free agents yeah and that's you're gutting out the core of this team no matter how you look at it and they're not all going to come back uh who knows if any of them are going to come back. Uh, but but yeah, there was a lot of talk last fall that there had been talk of trading for a catcher. If you remember before the lockout, I, not a huge surprise because you know they, we've seen High Bloom's M.O. Now we've learned it a little bit over three years. He he plans ahead, right? He he trades Adam Ottavino to get Frank German in the deal. He trades Hunter Renfro to get the two prospects in the Jackie Bradley Jr. deal. He's he's trying to stay competitive while rebuilding the future and getting another catcher in this year would have fit him with that perfectly.
0: If Rob Refsnyder and Franchi Cordero can help be the answers on offense, talk me out of at least making a phone call on Robinson Cano.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, that's. I mean, first of all, I like Cordero. Had two hits last night. Yeah, he's been better at first base than I expected. Uh, snyder's back in Worcester. I'm not. Yes. I'm not sure he's part of the answer. I, you know, to me. To me, the bigger question, honestly, and I I haven't given a ton of thought to Robinson Cano, I just I would not think he's going to be a great fit here at this point, the way they're operating, but I could be wrong. Who knows? I mean, Justin Upton was out there for the taking at spring training, and they never acted on him, and and he'd had two homers in his last spring training game. Uh, There's a reason the Angels moved from all that money, obviously, but same thing going on. The reports on Cano is that he's, he's older, he's slower. I'm not sure that's what this team needs right now. But I'm watching Jaron Duran every night in Worcester. And to me, that's what this team needs right now. You know, right field has been a black hole offensively. Uh, Jaron Duran is hitting really well. Didn't, it didn't translate to the major league level last year. We know that, Um, but maybe, maybe he's getting closer. Um, He, he, you know, there's been a lot of talk about his approach at the plate and he's, the the high fastball that that really, maybe his hands have come up and he's gotten better at that. Uh, I, mean, he's hit, I don't know what I haven't looked like, 370, 380, something like that in Worcester. He showed some power. Tristan Casas is obviously the one we've all been talking about. But I think that, you know, this guy with 110 games above single A in his career. So that's a little bit. But but Duran seems pretty close to me. And that's the kind of guy that I got to think they're ready to give a chance. Problem is right now, you've got, you're down to 26 players on the roster again, as of yesterday. And you're carrying 14 pitchers. You only have three guys on the bench. you got a backup catcher, you got Christian Arroyo, and you got uh, Bobby Dahlbeck or Franchi Cordero. That's your entire bench. So I, if you're going to keep 14 pitchers, then I think you can do that for a month, it looks like. It looks like they go back to 13 pitchers. Uh, that'll be the rule uh, next month. They may go back to that sooner. But the way they're using this bullpen right now, I think Cora's going to keep 14 as long as he can, so I don't know how you're going to add anybody.
0: Duran certainly interesting. Rob Bradford was advocating for that yesterday on the pregame show right here on DEV. We're talking now with Tom Karen, Sox and Bruins Insider over at Nesson as he's with us every Wednesday. Let's get to the Bruins. There's not a whole lot to say about game one. They were just whitewashed by Carolina. 5-1 was the score. We came out of it talking a lot about Carolina's checking ability, stick checking, physicality. Same way we talked a lot about the Bucks' physicality after game one. Can the Bruins get a Celtics-esque turnaround in game two? Can Jalen Brown skate? <laughs> That's the question. I mean, yeah, can you funny. get him
1: on the ice? Uh, I, you know, I, you know, they, the, the couple decisions yesterday that that are interesting to everybody, right? All Mark stays in. Uh, I don't blame him. Uh, I hated that, you know, the, the one off the mask uh, is, is a bit uh, tough to take. And he seems to have trouble sealing the post when they're coming from behind the net. Uh, we saw that again the other night. Uh, but I, but he wasn't the problem. The first two goals really dictated the the two goals late in the second period really dictated that game, and I, I don't blame him for either one of those. So I I you know I whatever that's that's fine. The bigger thing is mixing up the defensive pair, right? Lindholm was your was your big uh, addition to the decor, and and I didn't you know I saw him make one pass that sort of opened up a rush. I didn't see a whole lot more. I thought McAvoy had a good game, uh, but together. Yeah, I forget the numbers, but they were outshot uh, by a lot and uh, and and so you mix that up now. you put Grizzlick um, and this isn't a great series matchup for Grizz. I like Grizzlick. Uh, we've talked about him before. you know I, I think he's a really good fifth sixth defenseman on a on a team on a good team. Um, you know he's forced to play a little over and tonight he's essentially gonna be a number two because he's gonna be on that top pair. Uh, if you want to look at it that way, Carlo uh, and Lindholm, I think, could be interesting together. Uh, Carlo, a little bigger, stronger in front of the net, and Lindholm, as we know, can get spring guys on the offense. Um, I thought I thought Foligno, who who you thought would be, you know, a playoff guy, right? The kind of the kind of grinded out guy who can help in the series. I I, I didn't see much out of him uh and and I, th- I thought wagner looked great in the final game of the season hmm. last friday so so maybe wags gets another chance here before too long uh, but it's really the defense and <clears throat> they've got a they've got a you know they're taking they took a lot of shots in that first period the bruins did uh but there's there's quality chances and there's shots that make a goalie look good i think early <laughs> on he was he was having trouble with rebound control And you were just building his confidence by firing shots that are easy to save. I think they got to do a better job in front of the net, get traffic, uh, make his life difficult, make take away his vision. Uh, If you do some of those things, then you you win the game and you're right back in it, right? You win a road game, you come back home, you feel good. So tonight's huge.
0: Well, game two tonight. Hopefully, it doesn't go three overtimes like Penguins Rangers and. uh, Come on,
1: that's playoff hockey. We love that stuff.
0: Well, you know, it's fine for the fan, but think about the broadcaster. How do you feel uh, when it's an 18? I love those. <laughs> hey,
1: what I hate is one overtime. I mean, if you're going to go to overtime in the playoffs, let's go. Let's set the record. I've done I've done a handful of three overtime games in the college hockey tournaments over the years. Uh, you know, you get past that uh, midway through the second overtime is when you start feeling like you're doing something special. <laughs> like, uh, hey, the, the trouble is nine out of ten times, although last night was a pretty good goal by the Penguins, nine out of ten times they're just – they're they're sloppy ugly lousy bouncing goals uh and and you never quite call them right you know because it's never it's it's rarely a
0: two-on-one
1: or a, a man you know a breakaway it's usually a scramble and all of a sudden it's in the net you have no idea what happened so those aren't fun
0: in addition to the bees if you need a western conference team by the way uvm men's hockey coach todd woodcroft his brother is the interim head coach in edmonton so uh we can become Oilers fans in addition to being Beast fans. So, TC. Can we,
1: though? Can we? Can we? I mean, if you're old enough, you still are scarred from the 80s uh,
0: with the yeah. Edmonton Bruins. Uh, I'm not old match-ups. enough. I'm not yeah, old enough. I am.
1: So. I am. I still have Glenn Wesley <laughs> shoot one over the crossbar. Okay, we don't forget these things around here.
0: <laughs> TC, we'll talk next week. Thanks, Brady. Appreciate it. Absolutely. TC, got to get ready to get on the air, just like. We're getting ready to get on the air with Red Sox baseball about 10 minutes from now. 6:10 with the pregame show. Red Sox Angels, some rain in the area, but we're anticipating getting the game going uh, when it's supposed to with a 7:10 first pitch. Uh, Mark in Essex, excellent observation about ball movement with the Celtics, Brady. It was key against the Nets, and then again last night. Keep it going, Seas. So, uh, appreciate you, Mark. And then Peter in Williston. Says, uh, don't you guys think that the shortened spring training has affected MLB offenses because it's like early spring when pitchers are always ahead? It's possible. And we've talked about that with Buster Olney. However, we are now, we're, we're 20 games into the season. So these guys should start to get going. We're 100 at-bats in now for some of these guys. We should be, we should be going here, I think, offensively. We are going to talk to Buster Olney tomorrow. We can talk with him. More about that. Some interesting stuff. More on the lack of offense in baseball came out on ESPN today. So we'll talk with Buster about that tomorrow when he's with us at 545. One last bit of news on the Celtics and how they handled Giannis yesterday. That's next on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and (laughs) WDEVradio.com. I'm going to tell you a story. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox baseball. Just a few moments away. I do want to get into one more piece of news on the Celtics, though, because the third of the three big points. One was ball movement. Two was Jalen Brown. The third one is it was interesting. The Celtics' decision to play Giannis more one-on-one. We speculated that it would happen, and it did. Al Horford played Giannis one-on-one. Grant Williams did it. The C's were determined to not let Giannis find his teammates like he did in Game 1. In Game 1, the Celtics would double, they would help, Giannis would kick out, and then Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen, Bobby Portis, Drew Holiday, they'd all hit threes. That didn't happen yesterday. Giannis had to work for everything he got personally, and he wasn't able to look for help like he was in Game 1. They checked him one-on-one. They met him at the free throw line on his drives. They didn't give ground to him in the post. And those kick-out opportunities, they just weren't there. There was one of the most amazing stats I have ever heard that came out of yesterday's game. Listen to this. The Bucks hit th- hit three three-pointers last night. They were three for 18. They hit three three-pointers. They were the first team to make three or fewer threes since the 1992 Phoenix Suns. It has been 30 years since a team made three or fewer threes in an NBA game. Think about that. How many thousands of games are there every year? Every one of them has had a team make at least four threes. The Bucks yesterday made three. The Celtics outscored Milwaukee 60-9 from the three-point line. A lot of that because they decided to play Giannis one-on-one and say we're not going to leave these other guys open. Right there, that's the game. You outscore a team by 51 from three, you're winning. I don't know what game three is going to bring, but and the Bucks will adjust, but what a game it was in game two last night, and we are even now. Add one game apiece. All right, Red Sox baseball against the Halos coming up about two minutes from now. Let's get to the lineups. The Angels are 15-10. They come to town for game two with the Red Sox at 10-14. Pitching matchup is Angels young prospect Reed Detmers, 1-1 with a 5-1-9. Garrett Whitlock for the Sox, 1-1 with an 0-5-4. Looking at the batting order, Brandon Marsh is in for the Angels. Another young prospect, 15 ribbies for Marsh on the year. Mike Trout's in center, he bats second. Shohei Otani's the DH hitting 237. four homers, 12 ribbies. Anthony Rendon hitting just 219. he's at third. Jared Walsh, the power hitting first baseman, is at first. Jose Rojas is in left. Max Stassi, the former Astro, is the catcher. Tyler Wade, the former Yankees, at second. And Andrew Velasquez. Is the Angels shortstop. As for the Sox, Trevor Story is at second. Rafael Devers plays third. Xander Bogart's at short hitting 356. JD Martinez is the DH at 317. Kike Hernandez still hitting 187, but is driving in some runs. He's in the five spot. Alex Verdu goes down to the sixth spot against the lefty. He'll play left field. Christian Vasquez the catcher. Bobby Dahlbeck, welcome back at 147 at first and Christian Arroyo's in right. Jackie Bradley Jr. gets the night off today. Sox looking for their second win in a row. The interview with Tom Karen is available on our podcast channel already, on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. We're going to spot talk with Buster Olney of ESPN tomorrow. Buster will be live with us at 545. We will have Red Sox baseball tomorrow afternoon. 1235 with the pregame show, 135 with the first pitch. Expected to be Shohei Otani on the mound for the Halos and Joe Madden's team. So we'll be on probably around 5 o'clock with the afternoon news service. Could be a little earlier, could be a little later, but expect a full 90 minutes of the Brady Farkas show tomorrow. And again, we will have Buster Olney. That'll do it for us. Red Sox baseball is next. Go Sox, everybody, and we will see you tomorrow after another Sox game. Here on your home for the Red Sox, WDEV.